And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply. Bird to your mother, it's time for another episode of Birds with Friends. Just a trio of feathery brethren, weather in any season to see the Eagles eating teams like Scrammy's Top with Cheese. It's Philadelphia, Bo Sheila and Zach kicking it cooler than three penguins. Till Zach runs off with his valet keys, he's a real nuanced goose. Pull up a branch, get loose, it's time for some juice on some Birds with Friends. Bird gets the worm, but prefers getting turned like a turn on some birds with friends. Boshiel and Zach coming at you with steps and things, flapping their wings on birds with friends. Birds All I know is Zach said he has a game where birds he don't read both 7,000 <laughs> And I said, I'm in. Let's go. Let's do it. And, and so the yeah, purpose that's of that's what of, I really what I needed was not to get at least one more reader. Hello everybody and welcome on in to a live edition of birds with friends i'm shiel kapadia here with marissa morris marissa how are you doing this evening i'm doing great i'm excited i'm excited for the pod excited for the pod <laughs> taking the zb role there if you're not sure what we're doing uh, i we are going live here we will wait for zach and Bo to finish up with their player interviews and then we will talk to them but then, let's be honest this will probably be the best part of the podcast the eagles Go down 28-22. Somehow they cover the spread. So not only uh, do they lose the game in mostly a very boring game, but then if you took the other side like I did in my picks column, uh, you lost that as well. All right, so what, what do we take away from this game? I mean, really, for three quarters, this was boring. This was <laughs> nonsense. You had five drives in the middle of this game where you go three and out or throw an interception. I mean, this is 2021. You you cannot play <laughs> offensive football this way. And that really is my big takeaway. This team has no offensive identity. Everything we talked about last year where it looked like too many cooks in the kitchen. You have this offensive assistant you hired from here. He's going to implement this. You have this offensive assistant you hired from here. He's going to implement this. And now you're just shoving it all together. You're throwing it in this mixing bowl. And you had this offense that makes no sense. You don't know what you want to do. You don't, you know, this is like Bo said during the week, you know, this is turning us into the, the people who are saying run the ball. It's like the boy who cried wolf. You know, every Eagles loss during my lifetime, you turn on the radio or the TV and someone's complaining about them not running the ball. And like, you know, 75% of the time, maybe more than that, it was not an issue. Well, now it's an issue. I mean, it, it, talk about putting your quarterback in a terrible situation where he's dropping back he doesn't know what he's looking at. Todd Bowles is throwing all these different coverages at him. He's holding the ball. He's scrambling. And you don't run the football at all. And I'm not saying hand it to Miles Sanders and run the ball into the middle of the line 30 times a game. 
Nobody wants to do that. You know, they did start the game with like, uh, I don't know if it was a zone read or what. I don't know if you saw that, Marissa. Someone said they must have listened to Burtz with friends where they actually called a run to Hertz. And it was like the ugliest run uh, you could imagine. I think it, it wasn't a run. A it wasn't a running back, though. So it correct. Does, it doesn't so count for that. Swooper. Yeah, yeah. For Swooper. Listen, we're, <laughs> for all those keeping we, score we, at home. Yeah. And we know there's lots of you. <laughs> don't worry. We will get to all of that. I'm sure as soon as Bo. <laughs> Uh, signs on that will be the first thing we get to we'll so. let him get to that yeah, yeah that's not how I didn't win this week so I'm not going to start the show <laughs> with any uh super forecasting so it's just it, it lacks creativity it lacks cohesion I mean so many offenses in the NFL you can point to it and you can say all right this is what they want to do Marissa's Cleveland Browns I mean it's very simple what they want to do they want to run the football they want to marry the run in the pass they want it to look the same and when they're not running it, it's play action, it's bootlegs, it's pushing the ball downfield. Very simple. I mean, it doesn't, you know, you don't need, I don't even need a 10 minutes to explain what they want to do. Different offenses in the NFL, they can explain their philosophy, what they want to do. Nick Sirianni has not been able to do that. He, he, he's preached players over plays. He's preached, uh, I don't have a scheme. I'm going to build it to the strength uh, of my talent. And it's been horrible. I mean, it's been so hard to watch. Not only has it been bad, it's been boring. It's been vanilla. Uh, and so that really is my big takeaway. They weren't going to beat the Bucs. No, no one expected them to beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That's not the issue here. The issue is you've had uh, six games this season. And in three of those games in the first half, you've had five first downs or fewer. I mean, for a lot of teams, five first downs is like the opening possession. You know, five, five first downs in the first half. They're, them and the Jets are the only teams who have had five first downs or fewer in the first half of multiple games this season. Yeah, you know, I, I, I must be like the common denominator in that, um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you two podcasts. Well, yeah. I, yeah, I thought you were going to, I, I when I see, when I see you, I think Browns, you're related <laughs> to all these different teams. You do the Jets yeah. podcast. We know yeah. about Marissa's Panthers. I, we know yeah. about Marissa's Titans. <laughs> and I was going to say, no, the Browns on, on their opening drive, I imagine multiple times this year have had at least uh, yeah. five first down. So yeah, maybe you are the common denominator <laughs> in your podcast interest. So, that's my big takeaway. You know, I was ready to go on this big rant before they made a little bit of a comeback there and really just look at the events of the last 10 months. And you know what? Why not go ahead and do this? Maybe not everything applies. But like you look at the events of the last 10 months, they're disorganized at the end of last season. They don't know whether they want to fire Doug Peterson or not. He does the, the press conference after the season. Then they decide they want to fire him. They're late to get into the hiring cycle. Nick Siri, Sirianni's on vacation. I mean, he's not expecting to get any calls to be a head coach. They say, oh, well, you know what? We have to hire someone. Eventually, we're going to hire Nick Sirianni. Uh, on the video that they post on the team website, the owner is not telling Nick Sirianni, uh, we've been very impressed you know, with what you've done. He's saying, we're excited about the coach you can become. I mean, we all saw that right away. And man, does that ring true when you look at where they are right now. I mean, he does, you know, he does not look like uh, somebody who is ready to call plays, manage games, uh, and all of those things. I will give him credit. The culture seems fine. The team plays hard. They fight till the end. There hasn't been any infighting or anything like that yet. So that part has seemed to resonate. But just the, you know, you have an owner here in Jeffrey Lurie who believes correctly that the best way to sustain success in the NFL is to build an efficient, explosive offense. And man, you look at them compared to so many teams in the NFL right now, and it is just glaring how far away they are 
from being an efficient uh, explosive offense. We actually have a question that kind of fits with what you're talking about. So this is from Justin in the chat. Sheil, when do we start thinking that the front office coaches don't want to build an offense around Hertz's skill set? They almost seem disinterested in even trying it. Uh, it's a good question. It, it's like, yeah, it, it's like one of two things, right? It's either that they Nick Sirianni is just implementing the scheme that he thinks is best. And they're saying, all right, don't worry about it. Jalen Hurts, we're not really expecting him to be the quarterback anyway. In 2022, we've signaled that with everything we've done in the offseason. So go ahead and do what you need to do. I mean, that's a bad plan. That's bad coaching. Uh, but the other alternative is that they just, you know, I, I don't know if ineptitude is the right word, but they don't know how, how to build an offense uh, around Jalen Hurts or how to do things to make his life a little bit easier. I mean, again, with the run game, I'm not a big run the football, run the football guy, but Brandon Staley gave a great answer to this a couple weeks ago where it was like all these different factions of football Twitter from analytics Twitter to offensive line to like every faction was like, yes, this is the explanation. He basically was saying, you know, sometimes you need to give your quarterback a breather or your offensive line a breather. And it's hard to just, you know, have them drop, drop do a drop back passing game and have them pass block the entire game. And so that to me would certainly be part of it. And then they start running the ball in the fourth quarter. Surprisingly, Miles Sanders was running, I thought, as hard as he has all year. It was almost sort of a finally, you know, I have all this kind of pent up energy. I'm just going to unleash it on like these final two drives. And they're running all over uh, the Bucks defense. So there were a couple interesting like sort of side notes to that with the viewing experience. One was, I think it was Christina Pink was interviewing Sirianni at halftime. And he had told her, basically, we knew we weren't going to be able to run the ball in this game, which is like, all right, you know, you probably aren't going to be able to, but can, can you not scheme some things up that give you yourself at least a little bit of a shot, whether it's perimeter runs, we, they're still not creative with the Jalen Hurts runs. I mean, it's still, you know, a lot of just uh, zone read and either he pulls it and runs or he hands it off. So I feel like you could have been a little bit creative. And then the other thing that was interesting to me, actually Troy Aikman had a couple interesting things where you could tell they kind of came from the uh, production meeting or, or when he was talking to the coaches, one of them, was I've never heard like I don't think he meant to sort of drag Nick Sirianni like this but he said when he was talking to Sirianni he asked him like did you think of giving up play calling duties because you're a first-time head coach and you have to juggle all these different things which is like you know I don't think he was trying to take a shot at him but certainly it speaks to what Aikman has seen uh where a guy six six games five games at that point into his tenure is already being asked the question about did you think about giving up uh play calling duty so I thought that was interesting I'm sure we'll talk about the defense defensively I thought he had a really uh interesting note a Aikman is a Aikman that is where he said this idea of playing this too deep shell and not being really aggressive and forcing teams to, you know, methodically move the ball down the field. He said, Jonathan Gannon, unless I misunderstood this, if you're in the chat and, and you took it the, a different way, let me know. But I thought he said, Gannon said he doesn't really want to play that way. Like he's sort of forced into playing that way, whether it's because of personnel or whatever, how, how the head coach wants to play. I don't know, but I thought that was really interesting where I thought that is how Gannon wanted to play and, and that's how he was going to do it from the get-go. So those were a couple things that caught my attention. But just to, to finish my rant earlier, <laughs> you know, it, it, it's like they were disorganized with the coaching thing. Um, you know, they're very sensitive to the idea that they're influencing how a head coach coaches, how much input they're giving him. And you just don't have this culture where it's like, Hey, you know, uh, ideally it would be, Hey, the head coach needs some help right now. How can we help him? 
But I think they're a little wary of that, given you know the story we wrote, the uh, the stories other people have written in the offseason. And so I, I don't know who's helping Nick Sirianni. I, I think it's obvious that he's needed help. He's been the story in, what, five or, of, of these six games, whether it's game management or whether um, you know it's the actual offensive game plan, both which are under his prayer view. And do I probably, I always struggle uh, saying, do you even know what word I'm trying to say? No. Who can help me out? <laughs> All right. Well, I'm just going to say, Bo can correct this later. I'm going to say both are under his umbrella okay. <laughs> or his authority, however you want to say it. So um, I don't want to make it all about Sirianni. You can't let everyone off the hook. Jalen Hurts was bad in this game when there were plays to be made. He did not play him. His, he did not make them. His accuracy was sort of all over the place. I thought he was bailing from the pocket quite a bit in this game, uh, which, you know, normally I don't mind if a guy is making plays, but uh, I did think he, he was doing that really from the get-go very quickly. And then, of course, the roster. I mean, so, you know, there, there are points in games like this where you just look out there and go, okay, you know, uh, Alex Singleton, um, all, all right, uh, you know, uh, uh, Hassan Ridgeway. Yeah, I don't want to pick on Hassan Ridgeway. I don't even know if how many snaps he played in this game. <laughs> but Jack Driscoll, I mean, you're looking at some of these guys, and then you're saying, okay, this is this a Super Bowl team that brought back their core 31 players from last year's team, and it just tells you how far away you are from sort of being a, a competitive team. So. Those are my big picture thoughts. I, I can hit on some of the minute, as we say here, on Birds with Friends. Marissa, if there are questions, feel free to pop them in here. If you're watching, thank you for joining us. Uh, definitely get your questions in there. We'll try to kill some time here before Bo and Zach uh, end up joining us. All right. So this one is from Brian Carr. Sheil, should the second half comebacks be viewed with optimism or pessimism? Optimism because the coaches are recognizing things and adjusting or pessimism because the planning for the game is obviously poor. Uh, I, I would lean more towards the pessimistic side. You know, I will give them credit that sometimes I, I feel like it's dumb to give NFL players credit for like not giving up. I mean, I don't remember many games I've covered where I'm like this team, this team totally gave up. I mean, these are like prideful athletes who the game is the best part for them. You know, everything they do in the off season during practice, the meetings, all that garbanzo beans is so that they can actually play in a football game, which they enjoy doing. And then there's the, you know, the livelihood aspect of it where you're, you're uh, playing for a contract or to put out good plays on film because you don't know what the next week what the next year is going to hold. So I'm not going to give them uh, too much credit. It, it certainly would be a red flag if guys were yelling at each other and you felt like they were giving up. But I'm going to view it as pessimism. I mean, I don't know what others thought. Uh, I felt like this was easily a game where the Bucks could have hung 40 on them and it could have just been totally out of control in the fourth quarter. I mean, the Bucks had a cowardly punt early on. Let's not forget about that. Their final drive there, they're at what, the, the six, seven yard line where if they need to score there, they're obviously going to score there. Even the Eagles' first offensive possession of the game where they score a touchdown, I mean, you're going to get deflect, deflected pass that bounces in Quez Watkins' hands or else you're going to have to punt there. So I'm going to view that uh, more toward, toward uh, pessimism than anything else. Before you get to the next question, one more note uh, that I thought was interesting. Uh, Jay Glazer said during the pregame show, that you know, teams have been calling about Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard, which you know, with Ertz, that's mm -hmm. been true now for like 10, 10 months now. But he indicated whether he knew something or not that a trade could be imminent, sort of 
basically before the next game. And if you were watching some of the post-game coverage, Zach Ertz walks into the, you know, walks towards the locker room and um, their head of security, Dom DeSandro, kind of stops him. And they had this kind of, you know, moment there where, they hug or I don't know. It could be nothing. It could be something. If you told me, if you talked to Zach Ertz in three days and he's traded and he said, yeah, I knew at that moment that that was my last game as a Philadelphia Eagle, that certainly would not surprise me. So that's something to kind of keep an eye on here in the next few days or the next week. Very interesting. Okay. Um, so I was going to, I don't want to stick on the pessimism train, but, um, this one is from Nick Field. Would the Eagles make serious organizational changes if they had another last place season? Well, you know, there was a moment in this game where I thought, like, you want to know where your head coach gives you an edge and you want to know where your GM gives you an edge. If anybody can answer those questions for me, again, we're six, we're six weeks in, but if anybody has an answer to those questions, I would like to hear them because I don't know where either of those guys is really uh, giving you an edge. And so would they make serious organizational changes? I mean, I don't know. Last year's offseason was so disorganized that like I would say everything is in play. Now, I don't, you know, I think that Nick Sirianni is going to get an opportunity to prove himself this year. If things go really badly and the offense looks, you know, really terrible, even then, you know, unless I feel like play, unless players are really turning on him or he has an issue personality wise with Jeffrey Lurie, I would still be surprised. I know Bo seemed to feel differently even before that Panthers game. Um, that would surprise me. But I mean, those are questions you certainly have to ask yourself. You know, to me, there are two ways to create sustained sustain success. One is that you have the offensive coach who's brilliant and can kind of do more with less. And regardless, not regardless of the talent, but you can get away with kind of lesser talent or maybe even lesser quarterback play and still be a really good team. And the other is to just land that quarterback who is lifting everybody else on the team. And there are, there are like a lot of these guys now, more than I would say 10 years ago. You know, you look around the league, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson is in that category. Uh, Kyler Murray is certainly there. Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady. I would put Dak Prescott certainly in that category. I mean, I just named like a quarter of the league. And so it's at a situation where if you don't have one of those guys, like you, and, and you don't have the coach who it's clear he's giving you an edge, then you need to figure out how to get one of those two things or you're probably not going to be that good. I mean, there are ways you can do it for a year with a great defense or uh, a mediocre quarterback who plays well for a year. But if we're talking about sustained success, which is we know what they're chasing, then you really need one of those two things. I don't know if I answered the question. I mean, would they would they make serious organizational changes? I, I would still say Probably not, but there's always that floor where if it gets to a certain point, um, certainly, you know, you would have to look at it or maybe, and it's a huge off season. I mean, I, I'm sorry, I'm just rambling here, but this was another thing I was thinking. It's a huge off season. I mean, you look at the draft picks that could potentially be at their disposal with their pick, with the Dolphins pick, with the Colts pick and how bad this team could, you know, potentially be. Uh, this off season is going to set the course for the next five, six, seven, eight years, where if you knock it out of the park, Maybe you can execute a little bit of a quick turnaround. And if you screw it up, uh, man, you, you know, it, it's going to be hard to even be in position to get to where you're going to be this offseason. All right. Well, apparently you did use purview correctly. Um, oh, and I apologize. Purview? Is that it? Pur yeah. Purview? 
Okay. I think so. There was it was, there was a lot stop, of different. I'm gonna stop saying it. There it doesn't a lot roll of, off the tongue. No, <laughs> there's a lot of different spellings of it. I don't know the word. Um, I apologize for not knowing the word. But again, thanks Listen. to all the sickos in the chat for uh, helping me uh, along with that one. We, we went to you know nice Big Ten schools and yeah. You know, so there's a reason the I was broadcast. Education. Yeah, broadcast yeah. journalism because then I didn't have to you know you spelled things phonetically. That's right. Like, it was great. Yeah. Like minute. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. All right. So this one's from Chet. What are your impressions of Hertz after the first six games? Uh, today, I thought, you know, I thought this was probably his worst game. I mean, if you're asking me, do I feel like he has the ceiling to be in that uh, category of the quarterbacks? I just mentioned, no, I don't. If you told me, hey, you know, pick whoever your favorite offensive coaches, Andy Reid, Sean Payton, Sean McVay, you know, McVay whoever uh, you want to pick, whoever you really believe in. And you said, hey, he was with a better supporting cast and a more creative coach. Could he be like a top 12 quarterback in a given season? I would say I wouldn't rule that out. He hasn't played like that, certainly this year, but he's still young. And so I wouldn't totally rule that out. But if you're the Eagles, like, I don't know where that really uh, gets you. So I don't want to bury the guy like his intangibles that you heard about actually seem true. Like he doesn't uh, pout. We, you know, we, we saw Carson Wentz a lot of times have games like this where it was like the fourth quarter and you were just like, all right, you know, the game is over They're They're just not going to dig themselves out of this hole. I think he's really mentally tough where he can forget about the last drive, the last play. I just don't know that sort of that upside, um, that skill set is going to be there where you could really consider him to be, um, you know, in the same neighborhood with some of those other guys. I mentioned, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm burying him uh, too early. But if you're asking me what I think the most likely outcome is after six games, uh, I would say that he does, it's that he doesn't reach that point. All right. Let's uh, bring a little positivity to this. Okay. <laughs> well, if we can. Sheil, is there any positives to take away <laughs> after these first six games? <laughs> Dig deep, Sheil. Oh, my gosh. Like... You know, I guess you could kind of look at this defensive performance and say it ended on a strong. I mean, I personally don't feel that it was like this this great, encouraging uh, defensive performance because I just feel like if the Bucks really had to score, and you know, granted they were in a spot where they needed to score, so maybe that's unfair. And they had a turnover on downs, and you know, you're only six points down. So I'll give the defense um, some credit there, but. Avante Maddox. How about Avante Maddox? I thought, you know, this might have been one of his best games as an Eagle. I thought, you know, maybe the last two games he's played better than he had previously. Uh, I would say the corners overall, given the scheme they're playing in, have exceeded my expectations. You know, if they're being asked to play off and keep everything in front of them for the most part, yeah, you know, they definitely did that tonight and they have been doing that. So I'll give them uh, some credit there. Javon Hargrave has, of course, been a huge positive. He's still a young player who can maybe be, you know, part of your core for when you actually do get good. Uh, so that's good. Josh Sweat has had some moments here and there. I don't know. You know, honestly, it just feels like a stale, vanilla, boring franchise. If I, I know I was supposed to be positive on this, but that's like <laughs> one of the notes I had down. It's just that, that's what it feels like to me. Like it's hard to find those little morsels to really uh, get you excited. And I do like to look for those because I don't like to just be a Debbie Downer the whole time because I do be believe that part of the fan experience is not all about winning Super Bowls. It's about, you know, hey, did I waste those three hours or did I not waste those three hours on a Thursday or a Sunday? Mm -hmm. 
And I guess at the end of this, you could say, all right, they gave me something to look at. But for the most part, through six games, I mean, you come away from these games just like, oh, God, you know, that was kind of a bore. And that was the issue last year. And you felt like this year it would be a more creative way to lose games and a more fun way to lose games. Uh, but it really, that hasn't been the case. I mean, Devontae Smith, you could say, has been positive through six games, but then you look at Rick and today's box score and the guy has four targets. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I think Zach made the good point. Like, th- yeah, there should be, all right, here's my list of, uh, you know, plays for Devontae Smith this week. We're going to make sure we get to these. Maybe they tried to, and those were the scrambles, but I don't know. you you got to find more ways to get him the ball. Um, well, this could be positive too. Um, this question's from Chase. What are some possible trades that could happen that would truly benefit the team currently? So I guess like, you know, who could they trade away and get picks in return or, you know, who could they bring in? Yeah, I, I, I don't know that there's anybody who would really bring in unless somebody's right. just giving up on a young player on a rookie contract and you're saying, all right, we'll swap seventh round picks for you, stuff like that, which sure, you should always be exploring those options in terms of guys who could get traded away. I mean, I, I would imagine Zach Ertz would be at the top of the list. What 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 do you think they could get for Ertz oh in the gosh. current state? Not to put you on the spot here uh, yeah, at 22 a.m. I, I, I mean, <laughs> maybe like a day three pick swap. You know, okay. maybe it's like a you you give up a uh, sixth and you get a fifth back, something like that. I mean, I, I don't know that you're going to get anything more than that for Zach Ertz. I mean, he's looked fine. He has not certainly not on film looked like a dynamic uh, tight end who's going to go in and really help a team. Maybe it's a conditional pick where if he plays a certain amount of snaps or has a certain amount of catches, but I, I don't know that, that that's what I would think. Either it's a late round pick, a sixth or a seventh, or it's one of those weird conditional ones where you're, you're essentially just doing a pick swap where you get to move up um, on day three. Other guys who could get traded. I mean, I, I there's not a lot of guys coming to mind. You know, Andre Dillard, you could probably, like, I, I would not trade Andre Dillard right now. Now you need him, right? Yeah, yeah, you need him. And I didn't think he played well today. This might have been, uh, you know, his worst game of the season. But I think overall, he's looking like a competent left tackle. And I don't tr- just trade away those guys unless mm-hmm. I'm getting something real um, in return. So unless I'm forgetting somebody, I, I don't think they got a lot of assets that you can uh, trade away right now. Um, so this is not really a question, but there's a lot of comments about this. In the okay. Chat. Let's get to it. They're bringing up uh old friend, Doug Peterson. Um, okay. How would you compare what Sirianni has done so far? And should they have really made the move to get rid of Doug Peterson? People yeah. are saying, bring back Doug. <laughs> okay. Uh, no, I don't, I don't think, uh, I don't think keeping Doug really, would have been the answer unless you had a real plan for, you know, how you were going to, the team sucked last year. I mean, really, you know, right. they were, they were a disaster. Uh, so I don't think that that was really the answer. I, I was fine with them moving on from Doug Peterson, but it, it is a funny question to ask comparing because they look a lot like last year's Eagles right. offensively. I mean, honestly, it, it really looks like you, I, I wrote down, they had a third down. It's just isolation route. Devonte Smith, one-on-one down the left sideline. I mean, how often did we talk about that last year where it's like, this is all that where, where is like the three man route concept? Where is if you're getting man coverage, you know, when they try to run those pick plays, they screw them up most of the time, but where is the creativity on that? Where is some of the creativity in the run game with uh, Jalen Hurts? So like a lot of the issues you saw uh, last year, with Doug Peterson offensively, you're seeing the same stuff with Nick Sirianni, where I'm sure if you're an Eagles fan, and I'm sure if you're Jeffrey Lurie, you're watching these other games 
And it just looks, you know, these other offenses look so attractive to you. You're just like, oh, give me that. You know, I, I, oh, I want, you know, I want some of that. Oh, that looks fun. The announcers just, you know, gassing up the play caller or the quarterback. And then you're coming uh, to watch what you're watching with this team. So uh, I didn't have an issue with them making that move with Peterson. I have an issue with the way it went down because they had no plan. They thought they were bringing him back. He does the press conference, like I said earlier. Then they fire him. Then they're late in the hiring cycle. Then they, you know, I don't settle is probably not a nice word. I'm not trying to be disrespectful to Nick Sirianni, but certainly they weren't out there with, hey, let's get, you know, the guys we we want right away to come in and interview. So I don't know. That That's how I would sort of answer that question. All right. Well, we will continue to answer more of your questions while we wait for uh, Bo and Zach to join us. But hey, you know, we got to we got to get to our ad break. So we'll be right back. Send your questions in and she'll will continue to answer them after the break. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Now, Marissa, if we get a call like tomorrow from, you know, some sports talk radio station saying we, we caught that post game show, you know, we, we really enjoyed what we, that was outstanding. We, you know, we're going to offer you large sums of money. <laughs> Would we do it? I, I mean, Bo, the hurt, you know, I think Zach could handle it. Zach, you know, Zach is more of a professional. He would say, go do you, but I mean, it would really hurt Bo's feelings. I think. Yeah. And I mean, like I showed you before, I, you know, had all these tweets during the game of like the swooper sorecasting stuff. How could I leave Bo's fun in games? Yeah. You know, like, well, listen, I, I don't know. I just, I, I get such a kick out of that. So that would be really hard. Although people are really enjoying what we've done so far. So, yeah. I mean, as you know, I, I'm team CTC. So we know, <laughs> yeah, we know I true. have a price. I've never, you know, disguised <laughs> that at all. So, you know, I can't say I wouldn't do that. You know, I, <laughs> Feelings are feelings. People will get over them. You know, I, I, I can, I can like text Bo some like Turkey emojis once a week. <laughs> if, uh, if that were to happen. Yeah. So, uh, maybe the suits are even watching us right now. Oh, so. that's true. That would be good. Yeah. We yeah, can we'll see. Uh, now I do have some, uh, a couple notes here that I'll just run through from the game Okay. We'll get back to some of these, um, questions. Uh, the Bucks first touchdown drive, I mean, it's, uh, you know, I've been in the stands at uh, Eagles games and anyone who's been in the stands, uh, you know, game you care about where like the opponent just goes right down the field and scores a tight, you know, a game you're like pumped for this, a night game, I'm sure. Oh, um, I've been at a lot of Maryland games. Yeah, I yeah. understand. It's so deflating, you know, you're just <laughs> so like, deflating. And, and I had a moment where, uh, you know, longtime listeners will remember that we joked about Bo's cackle in the press box. You know, you're not supposed to cheer in the press box. But what Bo will do is when there's a really bad play, 
he'll let out this like big laugh and everybody will look at him and you're like, oh, it was funny, but you know, he, he doesn't apologize for it. But that was the reaction I had in this room uh, to that first touchdown when Ryan Kerrigan tried to jump and knock that. I mean, I don't know what was going on. I mean, listen, I'm team CTC. I was going to say, maybe you should just consider, you know, calling it a career, but go ahead, cash those checks. Uh, I have no ups, but I, like, I don't know if there's one NFL player I might be able to um, match in a vertical. It seemed like Ryan Kerrigan there. I thought that was uh, that that was just a funny looking play. And I wonder if Bo cackled there in the press box when he saw that. Uh, Miles Sanders had a personal foul early on, which they didn't show a replay of. I don't know what yeah. the deal was with it that. It was after but I, like the big, the big, the third down catch, I think, right? I think so. Yes. Yeah. Or Ertz had a play in between, but yeah. Something yeah. Like that. Um, they didn't show a replay, but I was wondering if Bo was giving Miles Sanders like mm. the Zach Derek Barnett treatment for that one, you know, personal foul. Uh, mm-hmm. Can't be having that. Now, they had the Gennard Avery taunt uh, at the end of the game. I think Zach had a pretty harsh tweet about that. I, I didn't mean, see it. <laughs> it, it. It was so tame. I mean, he made a tackle and he basically stood up close to Leonard Fournette and Leonard Fournette hops up. And so then they're face, but, but like they weren't ready to fight. Like Leonard Fournette did a shrug. It, it was actually a funny reaction from Leonard Fournette. He's like, who is this guy? And why is he standing over me right now? But like, that was it. I mean, there was no chance of that escalating into something else. They throw the flag on Gennard Avery. I mean, I, I think people know how I feel about taunting. It's ridiculous. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'm not going to kill Gennard Avery on that. I really don't think there was anything there where like, he needed to control his emotions. I, I really don't think he did uh, anything there. Uh, the Eagles' first touchdown drive, as I said, that you know that was certainly a bit fluky. I thought one thing about this defense. Uh, all right, I'm going to go into the national uh, reporter mode that you guys made fun of um, in the summer. You were putting turkeys on or whatever. But when I went to Ravens camp and talked <laughs> to John Harbaugh, did I do that correctly? <laughs> Uh, one thing he was talking about was a defensive philosophy from Jim Johnson, who, of course, uh, Eagles fans know and love from uh, from years ago. And he said the one thing he rem- always remembers from Jim Johnson was this uh, philosophy of force a quick outcome on every play, force a quick outcome. So whether that means send in the house, whatever, just play with like that aggressive mentality. And for better or worse, uh, you know, I know defenses have changed since then, but this Eagles defense is like the opposite of force a quick outcome. I mean, it's just like, sit back, take your time, you know, we'll <laughs> go ahead 75 yards down the field. And so that was just something I, I thought of when I was just watching how the Eagles played um, early in this game. They really don't do things to sort of speed up the quarterback or, or put the quarterback in sort of uncomfortable situations by forcing a, uh, a quick outcome there. Uh, I thought it was terrible game management by the Bucks when they called that timeout on the, it was fourth and one, they waste a timeout and then they punt. Bruce Arians, come on, my guy. If you're going to punt, don't waste the timeout. So, you know, they got a little bit of a gimme there. The RPO game, the zone read game. I mean, I thought there were times in this game where it felt like the, I don't know who wears the, uh, the headset for the Bucks defense. It's probably Devin White. I thought there was like a malfunction where basically the Eagles play calls we're going into the Bucks headset. I mean, that's what it looked like on some of these plays. And that is not a good sign when it just looks like the defense knows exactly what's coming and has a beat. 
on everything. So that, that was something that really stood out there uh, in the in the first half of this game. Uh, Bo can address this maybe when he when he listens to it. But did you see Bo? You, you know, this is something I do. Everybody does. When something happens in a national game that you've written about, you tweet out the link. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, like anytime yeah. there's something with Jeff Stoutland, I'm like, Oh, I, you know, I wrote a Jeff Stoutland feature that I'm really proud of. I'm going to get this bad boy out there. I thought Bo had like the funniest one of those tonight where <laughs> Marcus Epps made a play. <laughs> yeah, he like tweeted out America, get to know Marcus Epps. <laughs> like I'm picturing, you know, people in like Nebraska who are just settling in for this going, Oh, I want to know more about Marcus Epps. Let me, let me give this uh, bad boy a link. So we all do it. But I, I thought that was one of the funnier versions of that. As soon as I heard his name, I was like, oh, I, I just, you know, I, I'm sure all the same thing. Like, what is Bo thinking right now? Bo's probably I know, very I know. We need to We need to get them back in the locker room for more. I mean, that content will really save a season like this. A uh, little fashion question for you. And then maybe we'll take a break and get to some of these uh, questions because I'm, I'm going. Uh, uh, okay. Mar did, did you watch any of the uh, pregame show or halftime show? Um, Mark Sanchez. Oh, I did see him. He had a tan suit on, right? Yeah. Was did you tan? notice the footwear on, on that? No, I didn't. I was actually editing the athletic football show, so I had it yeah, on. You're much but, busier than I am. But yeah. I, I, I had it on, but I wasn't like closely paying attention. What was he wearing? Sneakers? Well, my wife was in here uh, with me, so w we were looking at that, and she just sort of ripped his entire outfit. And I said, "This, the, the jacket, the pants, that was fine. It was one of those where it, you're not wearing a suit." But sort of it's it's nice pants that match the jacket. So I thought that was a but he was wearing, you know, these like dressy type sneakers. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Like you're not just wearing Nikes. I'm sure you have to pay a lot for them, but they're not dress shoes and they're like black or brown. I feel um, like the you know what I'm saying? Yeah, Sorry, I'm trying to look it. I was trying to look it up on Twitter. Um, uh, okay. <laughs> if anybody I, has a picture. Yeah, send it. Uh, um, send it to Marissa. But I think you know what I'm talking about. There's so you know, I'm sure they're like leather. Uh, but it's more of a sneaker. Like you'll see, I feel like, like the, the, the typical businessman in the airport, you know, he's going a little casual with his quarter zip, uh, right. but he's wearing, I don't like that. I, I do not like those, uh, that footwear at all. I think it's a bad look. I feel like if you don't want to wear dress shoes, that's fine. If you want to go sneakers, go with like a, just go with some like cool Nikes or something. You know what I mean? Maybe some chucks or something. Yeah, I think if you're gonna do the sneaker, it got it has to be like very different and very a legit like, sneaker. Yes. Yeah, like it has to like stand out. Like you purposely like did this. Exactly. Yeah. Don't oh. go that way with that. So we do have our first uh, our first guest joining us. Um, okay. Do we want to take odds of who we think it is, whether it's uh, Zach or Bo. Well, Zach is more responsible, but Bo has FOMO, so I'm sure he yeah. just like ditched whatever. <laughs> So I'm going to go I'm a, and was just like, I got to sign on because I can't have them podcasting without me uh, and getting their own national radio show tomorrow. So I'm going to say Bo. All right. Let's see. Hello. Mm. <laughs> Zach, I was wrong. I got, this, I got this light behind me. I don't know what the right angle is here. It's fine. Don't How's worry. This? It's not I that. Mean, uh, I, I didn't it's mean authentic. some booth here. Good to see everybody. Yes. A lot going great. on tonight. Thank you. Yeah. A lot going on tonight. Looking yeah. Looking forward to... Uh, Discussing this raw, haven't really had a chance to formulate a lot of my good opinions yet, but uh, okay. but that's uh, I, I suppose I'll I'll be doing it during the pod and then writing. Yeah, well, I, but, I feel like you guys don't have to go two hours tonight. Now you know. Yeah, Phil and I have already gone forty minutes. Yeah, we've gone forty <laughs> minutes. You know, we're fine. 
Well, first so. off, I appreciate that number one, and I think <laughs> I think my editor Adam appreciates that as well. Yeah. Um, so, so uh, I, I'll just give you real quick, yeah, like my my me. my one sentence big takeaway here, and that is the offense is a major problem right now. Boom. The both the play caller and the quarterback uh, that you I, I I suppose this is a sentence this is one sentence with like ellipses like it's a it's a run-on sentence that's but, what i was we were, yeah. i was just doing that for like 20 minutes someone asked if i had you know something in this bottle that you know was making me go crazy i did have a latte very late in the day seven o'clock go. that's late for me so there that might go. be it all right sorry i interrupted no like, so oh, uh so i know that there's a lot of outrage now about the lack of a running game and uh while i don't agree that that they need to be a run first offense or run the ball a lot more now what i will say is that if you're going to pass the ball as much as they do and run as infrequently as they do you need more than 12 completions the inefficiency of this offense is a major major problem and that is on the coach and or i should say it's on the play caller and it's on the quarterback more than anything else I can't hear you guys. Well can you said. hear me? Oh, Bo is here. Yeah, we can hear you. I got you now. I got you now. Okay. Perfect. Uh, Bo, I thought you were going to be the, you know, Marissa said we have our first guest, and she said, who is it? And I said, well, Zach, I, you know, is, I thought would be more responsible, like find, being able to find a space quickly and get set up. But I thought you would have more of the fear of missing out. So if there was like a, you know, like you would be quickly uh, getting set up. So I chose you, but it ended up being Zach. Well, that's all right. I had to We've gotten, That was really okay. the difference in, in the outcome. There you go. Uh, we've got. I'm, I'm in the Bucks coaches room, and so oh. I don't feel comfortable taking off my mask because I'm sure there were a bunch. There's like so much testosterone in this that's just left <laughs> over in this stuffy room. I don't really uh, feel comfortable. Okay. Well, uh, we have that. gotten some some texts, some calls, some emails about you know uh, us hosting kind of a national uh, mm -hmm. radio show because there were some suits watching early and felt that we were doing a, a nice job. We don't you know we don't want to hurt anyone's feelings, or ruffle and anyone's feathers, but we thought we would just tell you that from the get go. Just you and Marissa, you mean? Yeah. I mean, well, I, I don't know. Was, I mean, it, they didn't mention you. They could have been thinking about you, but I would. Oh, say I so. said I, I mean, couldn't have. I said I could never us. leave your fun and games because my favorite thing watching is when I get tweets about all the random things happening in I didn't Super even see the flag. So. I didn't even I didn't even realize it was near Rager and then everybody started tweeting. It was what a what a moment. Um but yeah, I think I think all three of us are, are well aware that uh, it's only a matter of time before Marissa moves off <laughs> to someplace much bigger and better than us. No way. No way. Well, Look what I made for you, Bo. For our audio viewer, I mean for our vi video viewers, <laughs> I put to let put That's together so a little compilation of uh, the flag hitting Rager. So, just for you, Bo. I, I actually had no idea when we were getting hit with tweets that the flag hit a player. I didn't know if that meant I won, if Zach won, <laughs> or Bo won. But I, you know, then someone did clarify that it was Bo. Uh, Bo, give us your. You, did you hear Zach's uh, big takeaway or no? No. Give us your your big takeaway. Oh, we talked afterwards. You, you know, give us your big takeaway. Your uh, your out putting the trash out tomorrow. Uh, neighbor Gina sees you out there and says, uh, you know, she's like a, a real hardcore fan. She's not just like a casual. She knows what's going on, and she's going. But what you know, uh, what's your? Uh, I got to get the kids to school. But give me your big takeaway from the game yesterday. What what are you telling her? She wants your your 
elite analysis? Uh, I would say that through six games, like we knew this was a very difficult part of the schedule. They're through that part of the schedule now. We've seen that they're uh, they're plucky, like they're willing to hang in. And now they face a very easy part of the schedule. We're going to find out if they're like bad mediocre or good mediocre. I think right now they're the kind of team that sort of reflects their opponent. Uh, they'll, they'll lose to the good teams. They'll beat the bad teams and we'll see how they do against the other mediocre teams. But I mean, I just, uh, as we've been talking about, I, I, I have so many questions about what their plan is on offense. It doesn't seem like they have a plan tonight. It was, there were so many plays that were just dead from the very beginning of the play. Uh, it was, it was sort of a disaster for these first, you know, two and a half quarters. And I don't know, like, I don't, it's, it's, I hate to be like, uh, every game is a referendum on the coach and the quarterback. And we have to, we talk, have to talk about next season already, but I just, I worry that Jalen Hurts is not good enough as a quarterback to fully judge Nick Sirianni's offense. And Nick Sirianni is not good enough as an offensive schemer for us to correctly judge Jalen Hurts as a quarterback. And so we're not going to have really a good answer on either one of those guys at the end of the season. So real quick, I, I I do think it's important as we make, or as we have that discussion and as we make that type of evaluation to distinguish between Nick Sirianni, the play caller and Nick Sirianni, the head coach, like the, as a head coach, there's obviously the game management is a big part of it. The culture setting, overseeing a staff, um, you know, how you manage the locker room, all those are, are assembling really important. the staff also assembling a staff. Say. Yeah. All those are really important parts of his, of his job. And I think in a lot of ways he's, he's done well in, in certain parts of that. I, I do think the game management has left a lot to be desired, but in, in terms of some of the in, in, intangible characteristics with the locker room, I am speaking more about like the play calling tonight, I think has, has been more of an issue. Well, where would you so, so in which areas do you think he's done well? Well, that's something I, I need to look. I mean, yeah, I, I, yeah. So I, I was, I, yeah, we were talking about this earlier, and I, it's true. Um, but how much of that is really like the head coach? You know, these are like, these are grown men. Like, how many games have you covered where you felt like the team like really quit uh, in the second half? I mean, I, I don't have many that come to I've mind. And when, two teams. What's that? Yeah. I mean, last okay. year's team. Last year's team. Well, you do. Yeah. In which games did they quit? Who quit? It's hard to, you know, to me, it's just yeah. like. I don't want to say quit. I just think like players start checking out, that that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think a lot of it just yeah, comes down to early. like the individual <laughs> yeah. player's personality. You know, I think yeah. Jalen Hurts, um, and I was critical of him before you came on, and I'm sure you guys can want to get into that too. But like, I think he's a mentally tough guy. Like, you know, I think that's yeah. the one thing he's probably, that might be his like elite trait that he can go three and out on four straight possessions and throw an interception. And he does have that ability uh, to just kind of throw it out all the out the window and try to get his teammates fired up and say, Hey, we're going to go ahead and score right now. So, um, you know, I, I'm not saying that's nothing from Sirianni. That's good. It can go the other way. You can be a train wreck. You can have uh, infighting. You can, you can have that stuff early on. But you're right. But I, it's like, it's, it's the least um, it's the least alpha over, or Delta rather over like what you would get from a replacement head coach. Like 
And that especially should be table, six games it should in. be table stakes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, maybe at the end of the season. So um, I'm with you guys. Uh, my big takeaway was uh, was with the offense. I mean, this is, and I don't know that I agree with you, Bo, that you can't like judge either guy. I mean, I, maybe you can just judge both of them and be like, it doesn't look great for either of them. I mean, from Sirianni, there's nothing you see schematically. It's what Zach pointed to last week, which he's just running his, you know, if he were the coach of the Colts right now or last year with Phillip Rivers, he's basically doing that with Jalen Hurts. There's nothing creative. There's nothing where you say, wow, they really helped him out here. And with Hurts, my point was to have sustained success, I think you need one of two things. One is the great schemer and play caller who can maybe do a little more with less where you have a little bit of a mediocre or above average quarterback and you know the offense still looks really good because the play calling and maybe the supporting cast is so good. We haven't seen that from Sirianni. And the other is you just have the quarterback who can lift everybody else up. And there's, I rattled off like a quarter of the league right now. I mean, has a guy like that. It's more than, it's not just the the days of it's Manning and Brady and maybe Rodgers or whatever. Like I do think it's more than that now. And maybe Hertz will get there. But man, if you're asking me six games in, do I think he'll get to be in that category? I would say no. Do, do I think he could get in the category of like the, you know, Cousins, Garoppolo's, Tannehill's of the world, where if, if there's a nice sort of everything around him, he can be a top 12 guy. Uh, I wouldn't rule that out yet, but I don't know where that really leaves you. So maybe I'm, I'm probably talking too much big picture. My whole opening was all big picture. So if you guys want to get yeah. into some of the nuts and bolts of the game, uh, you can well, certainly sure, take, I, take the lead and get to that if you want. Yeah. I, I, if you ask me, like, which of those two guys do I do I believe has a better chance? Like, it's unlikely, but I think there's a better chance of Jalen Hurts being a top 15 quarterback than Nick Sirianni turning into some offensive genius. Seems Given what we've way, seen man. so far, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, there's always the caveat of uh, of six games, but uh, I would agree with you there. So, uh, all right, let me read off yeah. my my notes here, and then I'll hand it over to you guys. I have a little spreadsheet here that these are some things I didn't. Uh, I didn't. I want to uh, know just how the open went. How'd you guys? How, how did you feel doing the uh, the dynamic duo here at the top? Well, as I mentioned, I had a uh, I made a homemade uh, almond milk latte at around seven o'clock tonight, and so I do feel a little bit wired here. And uh, you know, you feel like when your uh, teammates aren't out there with you, you got to pick up the slack. You know, it's mm. like uh, it's, it's. I imagine it's like having injuries or whatever. So uh, I thought, you know, just kind of let it rip and and went with it. I had all these. I had some takes written down. But again, everything was pretty much, uh, I think it was a lot of big picture stuff rather than uh, just this game. I think I got to most of my notes. Okay. I mean, the back I thought, the, I thought the defense was good tonight. I mean, they did, they good? did more than really. You, well, yeah, you're right. Good is overstating it. But, but yeah, if were... you told me that this was going to be the performance, you know, they were, say they scored a touchdown at the end of the game, it would have been 35 instead of 28. But like in the first half, for them to get three stops. Yeah. And I mean, it was the offense's fault. They only scored seven points. That they should it should have been a much closer game to get getting three stops on six drives against this Bucks Bucks offense. Yeah, I'll, I don't know. Yeah, like I would just say, but because I don't think the defense was good per se. Yeah, but I I'm think it, but. if you said going into the game that they would force three punts, have an interception, and stop them on fourth down, I think you would take that, right? You know, considering what this offense was, twenty-eight points. Um, I I think. 
I think, I think he would take took, it. Probably took their foot off the gas in the second half. Yeah, but, I mean, they could have yeah. scored. They obviously would have scored on the last drive. That's 35. They had right. the cowardly punt there. Um, you know, still, you get you get credit for that. So, uh, I mean, I think we have the defense nailed uh, pretty well, where it's when it's going to be a mediocre, below-average right. opponent. They're, you know, they have a chance to really look good, and especially below-average offensive lines, they have a chance to dominate. Um, and against good opponents, you're sort of crossing, you know, uh, Bo, you tweeted that, right? Cross your fingers and hope for the best or whatever. Right, I mean, right. that's what it felt like. It's like maybe we'll get a penalty or a negative play or whatever. So that, well, how that's about the it, big, although, like the biggest play of the game, that, that third and seven on the final I was about drive, to say, they, they play dime for the first snap all season yeah. long. Yeah. So let's give oh, some I background. To our list. Yeah, yeah. So we'll give some, some, some background here on that play third and seven. Gotta have it right. You force them off the field on that play. I assume the Bucks would punt it, um, unless uh, you know, unless they picked up like five or six yards. But uh, that play in particular, the Eagles uh, double teamed Antonio Brown. They had it in that they knew based on the numbers, and Antonio Brown was the guy on third down to to, to throw to, and uh, they had a double team with Rodney McLeod, Marcus Epps. They were in dime, like Bo said. And uh, Rodney McLeod thought that they had good coverage. It was just a great pass by by Brady. Now Brady, yeah, that was just, rolled out. Yeah, was, yeah Brady yeah, rolled out. You, like like you don't usually see Brady rolling out. Brady rolled out on that play. Um, so maybe the pressure wasn't. To, I I have to go back and watch it. But uh, but it was the type of thing where he he put it like he put it in a perfect spot for Brown to make that play. Well. Yeah, it's actually weird because I I thought that too initially, and then they showed the replay, and it actually was, it could have been a better pat. Basically, he threw it a little bit behind him, uh, where okay. Marcus Epps's hand was just like uh, I don't know if it was above or below, but he was very close to like I agree that he he had excellent coverage on that. I was wondering if it was that uh like uh, cover one robber coverage where Epps has Brown. But if he runs like a crosser like that, McLeod's got to, I mean, McLeod did uh, stumble a little bit there. So he didn't, he wasn't, you know, didn't look like he was a factor there uh, really in the play. So the throw was a little bit behind him, but it just happened to get past Epps's hand. So that was kind of like a, a bit of an unlucky play, but certainly a huge play right there. But on that drive, um, look, I, I don't want to belabor this. And I, I know that there's probably listeners who, who say it was a cheap penalty, but look, you you it's a six point game. First down, first and ten, you stop them. Uh, you know, you hold them to two yards. So second and eight. Here we go. It, it, it would be second and eight. And Jannard Avery gets charged with a taunting penalty. Now, if you think it was a weak call, fine. I saw the replay, didn't look like it was much there, but you know it's a point of emphasis, right? You know this is like this is the drive. Run back, right? Like, like you don't need to get now. I uh, uh, Rodney McLeod said it said it said after the game, you know, they're playing with emotion. They got to like curtail the emotion. And I'm not trying to like take the emotion out of the game, but you got it like, like situational awareness there. Don't leave anything open for interpretation. And by the way, you use you, you, you held him the two yards. It's, it's, it's not like you forced a fumble. You don't need to get into <laughs> Leonard Fournette's face, right? Like well, that, that was the funny part about this. I, you know, uh, if you're listening in, in podcast form, listen, we're going to repeat stuff. This is our first time doing it. So I'm going to repeat some of my takes, but uh, we knew you were going to be upset about that one, Zach. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, I mean, 
I disagree yeah. though. I mean, I thought like, I don't, there's only, come on, these guys are playing you're asking them to be, go to this place in their minds, this most aggressive physical place. And like all he did was kind of like stand there with his chest puffed out. Leonard Fournette actually pops up. I mean, you could really make the argument that Fournette initiated the contact, but I, I do look forward to you watching this replay because you'll laugh because Fournette had this look go like, who is this? Just, who is this guy? And why is he in my face? Like we've been going up and down the field on that. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. They zeroed in. Like you could see his eyes through his helmet going, what the I don't even know this guy's name and he's near me. So, I mean, it was a week. I, I don't, I'm not, I'm not saying it was a good uh, call. This was not I'm a just Derek saying, Burnett, uh, you know, I, I'm call. not saying it was a good call. I'm just saying, yeah. don't like in that situation, don't leave anything open for interpretation. Right. Like that's, that's part of, uh, I don't think this team gets the benefit of the, of the doubt on, on, on penalties whatsoever. Right. And especially in, in that situation, come on. Like it, it's, it is inexcusable. Even if it's a bad call, you know, taunting is a point of emphasis. Just, just don't leave anything open for interpretation there. That's all. Here's my take. You can draw a direct line from the league's taunting penalty being instituted to the John Gruden stuff. Oh, God. It is. It's. I think this is. I think this is very. I think this is totally true, and it's starting. Like you know, the other day I was. I, I didn't really want to get into the Gruden thing because it was just. It was just sad. But it is infuriating the way that they are now trying to turn this to like, John Gruden was just one bad apple, and not like a reflection of the culture of the league from on high, and. Like this, this notion that like we just need the way that they view the players on the field as just these animals to control. Who's that? It is, it is all part of the same thing. And like you see, like the 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 thing that came out today in the New York Times, like Jeff Pash, the league's negotiator, you know, going back and forth with Bruce Allen, like doing the Lord's work, uh, putting those uh, the player salaries down. Like it's just it's a, the whole thing is disgusting. And to, to not allow them to just like have a little emotion in the game is so ridiculous. And I think it's all, it's all part of the same thing. And it, it really makes me mad. It sounds like a column for you to write, flush those thoughts out a little bit. Okay. Maybe that'll be the day after I'm not, I have nothing else to write about national ball. Look, I I'm not on, saying I, uh, I'm on not the saying, NFL page. I would think. I'm not saying I agree with the, yeah, I'll just write it tonight. To, yeah, I'm I not saying I agree with the game. emphasis on the taunting, right? It's after the day after. You just write, write <laughs> yeah. that column. But I do it. think that, uh, it could be, that... It could be the top of the day after. <laughs> like, they all know the rules of engagement. That's that's, right. that's my point. They all know the rules of engagement. I, like, I, I can disagree. I, I do disagree with the emphasis on, on taunting. I, I, I think what they're calling this year is ridiculous. I agree with what Shield said, that when you are... You're you're assigned to play this really aggressive sport. You can't take like the human emotion out of it. That said, all of us have things in our jobs that we don't agree with, but you have to operate within the realms of the rules, right? Like you, if if you know something going in, uh, you know, it, if if my editor gives me an assignment and I don't 
I, I, I think the assignment is ridiculous. That's the problem. It's, it's, but it's like, a gray you got to do it. It's part of the job, right? I mean, like, you, no, but it's a gray area. You could probably pick 10 plays where someone did the exact thing Gennard Avery did and did not get flagged there. That's the problem. Right. So okay. if, it, if it wasn't, yeah. uh, you know, if it was black and white and they need, they don't, it's just like an official deciding whether to throw the flag or not. All right, let me get my this, final. This, this Benjamin Price really does not like the point that I'm making. I mean, <laughs> Jeez, I'm sorry, sorry, well, Benjamin. The first time Zach has gone and just like toe to toe with a viewer. Yeah. Wrong, you see it up there. Uh, I see you, Zach. Stop. I'm, I'm sorry, man. I'm just, just giving my opinion. If you miss, I have like the, wolf. My, the whole calm in my head right now. I'm trying to figure out what they're right. I'm doing okay. the pod, so. Well, sometimes this helps. Actually, I found when we yeah. did a post game pod, and then I wrote after, I was able to more clearly and quickly uh, articulate my thoughts uh, <laughs> as I was writing. So, um, what was I going to say here? All right, let me uh, let me get a quick couple quick things out of here, and then I'll hand it over to you guys, and um, you can do uh, what you want. I thought, Bo, did you? Uh, I thought there were a couple plays I thought you might have cackled in the press box. Zach, you can either confirm or I, I know not. one of them. One was the Ryan Kerrigan uh, jump attempt on the first touchdown. Did Bo let out a big I, laugh there? I, I didn't, but I should have. Okay. Internally, maybe. Uh, yeah. The other one, I don't actually, I don't think you laughed at this one in the moment, but maybe when you watch the replay, the when Anthony Harris had the interception and uh, he lateraled it to Darius Slay, most of the time in that situation, the defensive player is like so excited to right. get the ball and like it, it, sometimes they're just flying down the field and you're like oh my god there's you know they might not be holding the ball correctly i felt like darius Slay was like what the hell man i don't want this thing he danced around yeah. in a circle i don't know if he even gained a yard on that no, it's it slaves mind it slaves mind slaves like wait I don't get credit for the interception, but I have to get tackled. <laughs> yes. Like this is the worst, you know. Yes. He's like, bro, what <laughs> are you doing right now? Yeah. I don't want this football. Yeah. I don't want to get tackled here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I, I thought that was uh, pretty funny. One, I think, it was Christina Pink said um, there was some frustration with defensive players on the sideline around halftime. I don't, you know, mm. I don't know, something to keep an eye on when you watch it back. If you watch the, if you watch, I mean, they TV, ended the first half with, with five, uh, three and outs right. and an interception. Yeah. There's not frustration. These guys don't care. So it there better have been frustration. Okay. All right. Um, Vita Vea had a nice highlight there with the Miles Sanders run in the third quarter. Did you guys catch the replay of that one? Oh, Big, yeah. Strong, the powerful man. Sideline? Oh, yeah. No. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you know, it was like a run up the middle and Sanders had some room, but then he just ran to Vita Fea, who almost picked him up like I would do with Leela and just and just placed him like three yards back. So uh, a fun guy to watch. Uh, you guys probably missed this because you didn't listen to the broadcast. Troy Aikman said that when he was talking to Nick Sirianni this week, he asked him if he's thought about not calling the plays on offense. Really? Oh. <laughs> and, and he wasn't. He wasn't saying it in a, in a mean way it, as it came across. He was basically like, it's hard to be the head coach, a first-time head coach, do everything else, and call the plays. And he's like, so I, you know, I asked Nick um, this week about that, and he said, no, that's not something he's considered. Thing I is, mean, I'm not we so might be sure a week away that. from asking, it was some, somebody asking Nick that, though. Can you guys not hear me? Maybe anymore? a day away. No, we can. A day away. Okay. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I just, ahead, I just bro. think uh, uh, the likelihood is that Shane Steichen is not going to be bringing any more to the table. Oh, 100% agree with that. Yeah. Okay. Um, the back-to-back -back run plays 
in the third quarter that brought out the big cheer from the crowd. That was thought, the moment of the night for me. That was a the great first moment. One, I thought yeah. the crowd was great. I mean, this is a, as I, as I described earlier, this is a stale, vanilla, boring franchise to me. And that's been the biggest disappointment with this season so far. But the crowd was into it uh, in the fourth quarter. Other than the guy, uh, I'll tell you what, when I used to go to games and if there was a ball thrown to a guy in an Eagles jersey, and it was meant for somebody in the other team's jersey, they would not be handing that person the ball. I don't know if you guys saw that or not. I saw Fournette throw it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that would not happen, but that did happen. Um, all right. I th- could you? Should they try this maybe to fix their offense? Tell Jalen Hurts every play is a two-point two conversion. Mm. I mean, he's unbelievable on two-point conversions. That's uh, true. You guys, you guys don't really like that one. Uh, and, and if anybody has this clip, Let's turn this into a GIF or something. Uh, I, I did have the TV on as I was watching the Sirianni post game, and I saw a guy. He looked like he might have valeted some cars back in the day, just busting it behind John Clark. <laughs> I got worried to go to that post game press conference. I got worried. You know, I didn't yeah. see anybody yell "ZB and the Wolf" in that uh, moment, and you weren't on camera long. You know, it might have been less than a second. I hope not. I was sprinting. Yeah, yeah so. you were moving fast right behind John Clark. So if anybody Wait, wants we on to a bike, <laughs> no. So so I file um, something at the buzzer or at the end of the game for our, uh, you know, for our our readers. Just to, it's 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 not the most perfectly crafted article, but it's it's just what happens. You can comment, you can engage, that kind of thing. And uh, so I I wrap it up like a few minutes after the game. And then I had to catch the elevator and run down. And I'm always worried that Sirianni's going to start, so I I go on the all out sprint. Um, now I, I'm I'm not a big runner. Okay, it's it, when you have the mask on, and the reason I'm not wearing a mask now is I'm in a room. There's 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 no one in the, in this room, but I, I wore the mask all all night. When you're sprinting with the mask, it's hard to get the oxygen you need there, right? <laughs> Am yeah. I wrong? No, you're right. That's why okay. I've been in those situations. It's kind of a nice, uh, I'll be honest, that's something I miss, uh, you know, from being, it's sort of like a weird thing where I can just picture, but I would always go with like a power walk. Like I'm not bra- oh, I'm yeah. not, sw- I'm not swinging the arms into a light jog there. Oh, I'm, no, yeah. I, I'm, I'm never, I'm never like I could, both feet off the ground at the same time. Yeah. I feel like I could match your speed there with like a really fast, uh, fast walk. Maybe, you can, I, I, I have yeah. short legs, so you can probably match the speed. But, but I'm I, unbelievably I, slow. Yeah, but so, but no, um, I I do I do put it on like he, he, you know, there's that expression that if 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 you want someone to run fast, have someone chasing them. If you want a reporter to run fast, have a press conference for them to get to, man. Because I'm mm-hmm. I I'm busting right. it in that spot. Okay. Hey Zach, you didn't uh, happen to do the uh, news headline uh, answer, did you? Oh no, I did not. Sorry, okay. I came right okay. in here. One of us, one yeah. of us can do that after. Okay. Well, I will leave this uh, to you guys then to uh, finish it off. I'm not so sure what else we have to say. Yeah, I mean, listen, we're an hour, seven minutes in. Marissa yeah, has a big like... weekend coming up. We do, need yeah, to we, take, can... we do need to take one more quick ad break if we uh, want to do that let's before do we get... That. You want to finish and then finish it all together? Yeah, yeah let's finish yeah, it all yeah, together. Yeah, yeah. Let's do that. All right. Okay. okay. 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. One thing I wanted to ask you about, which I texted you about, this was from Nick Sirianni's mm-hmm. uh, press conference. So he said that he wants 35 to 40% of like Hertz's past plays to be unscripted. Am, am, yeah, am I getting like that right? Way that high, wrong? yeah. But is that what he said? Do I am I accurately something? Yeah, like that? he said they need to get it down to like like thirty five to forty percent unscripted. Oh, they want to get it down to that. He said they've been I over mean, that. Yeah, that's insane and completely arbitrary. <laughs> like what? Thirty five to forty percent? Why? Yeah, someone's someone's messaging. It's like the the or in some ways it's like the Urban yeah. Meyer two fifty two fifty. I don't know. But yeah, he's that, got a bunch of these. Very arbitrary yeah. benchmarks. That are got like eighty-five percent. It needs to be eighty-five percent plays without like any type of negative mistake. Yeah, like without any type of of, of negative. Well, like that a was sack, the other thing. I didn't know what he was talking about there. Yeah. Okay. So basically, like only fifteen percent of their plays are allowed to be negative plays. And against uh, against Carolina, they were at eighty percent. Um, and he's expecting they're more tonight. So. I oh I gosh. frankly like the detail. Yeah, no, I I like that he's sharing it. Oh, but yeah. I mean, come on, he's these are completely the curtain, arbitrary it's, it's numbers. Dumb. It's, it's yeah. whatever behind the but whatever is behind the curtain is dumb. This is like adding the rushes and completions. Or I mean, there are all these out there yeah. that are just made up. And uh, there's, I would, re- yeah, I don't know what the integration is right now. Of um, you know, the, uh, uh, one thing I said earlier, get your guys' thoughts on is. I don't get a sense like this would be a good time. It feels like where there needs to be someone helping the coach, you know, if they're going to hire a guy and say uh, the coach you can become, there should be some, you know, you probably should have someone in the organization that can help him. But I do think they're very sensitive to the idea that they interfere with the, with the coaching, uh, the front office, the owner. And so I don't know that anyone's doing that. I mean, it looks to me like a guy who's on his own and trying to figure it out with this sort of staff, which, you know, may or may not be good. And they're not really coming up with a lot of answers. And it really just looks like last year's offense to me. So that, that was one of the points uh, I, I had made last uh, earlier. So there are uh, just uh, three things I was hoping to address. Um, yeah. First being, uh, and Bo alluded to this, um, and I don't know if you guys talked about it, but this, the schedule gets gets much softer here, so we'll find out a lot more about the Eagles in terms of not how they fare against the top of the league, but how they fare against 
I think Bo put it well. You know, are they like on the plus side of mediocre? Or are they on the minus side of mediocre? We'll have a sense of that over the next few weeks because this this schedule really does lighten up. You got the Raiders, then you got the Lions, the Chargers is a tough game. Um, but, but you, you know, then you got the Broncos, they have like the jets coming up soon. So anyways, this, the schedule gets lighter. Second thing, uh, I didn't hear it specifically, but I, I I've gotten briefed on it from shield and, and from others that Jake Glazer reported before the game that the, uh, the Eagles are getting calls about their tight ends. I know there was footage after the game of Zach Ertz yes. being very emotional coming off the field. Uh, Zach strikes me as the kind of guy who's, who's usually privy to something. I'm not saying like. Zach's going to get traded. Was that emotional? Certainly, what's that? I saw that clip. It didn't stand out to me as like uh, particularly emotional. Oh, okay. I don't, I, I don't, yeah, I don't. Yeah. I, I think John Clark had described it as emotional. So maybe he saw something that was okay. not on the clip, but he did get stopped by uh head of security. Dom, yeah. Dom, yeah. And they kind of stopped and talked for a second. I don't know. It didn't seem like a normal, you know, just run back. Well, into the locker so, room. so what I was going to say is like, I don't think that gets out and all the respect in the world to Jake Glazer. I don't think that gets out there on Thursday night, unless like they want that to be out there on Thursday night. Right. Like they, they want the nation to hear this. Like, I, I, I think that, uh, it probably means that, that, that there's smoke there. And, uh, I would pay attention to that. And, and it, it's something Bo has, has talked about them, like potentially being aggressive with, uh, you know, with, um, some of the veterans on the team. And then the third thing I'll say is, uh, and I haven't listened back to the Jalen Hurts press conference, but it certainly struck me that like Jalen Hurts was advocating for them to run the ball more. Like Jalen Hurts was very, he was not saying like, like put it on my shoulders. I, I want to pass it. Uh, he was like making these, these veiled references to getting Miles Sanders the ball to, you know, uh, calling to, they have all the pieces here to be a better offense that, 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 that they need to be more like, like that they need to be more efficient. I, I, I mean, Bo, you were there. I hope I'm not reading too much into it, but it certainly struck me like he wouldn't mind if there were more uh, called uh, running plays. And the one thing I'll, ha I'll say to that before I stop rambling is uh, Nick Sirianni. And I agree with what Nick's probably saying here is that, a lot of these are RPOs and based on the look, the defense is giving them it's, it's a passing play. And I think that's exactly what the defense wants. I think defenses would rather Jalen Hurts drop back than the Eagles run the ball right now. So the reason why the Eagles are seeing these looks uh, on these RPOs is because teams know the Eagles are a heavy RPO team and that they want Jalen Hurts to be dropping back to throw it. And they know exactly what RPOs are coming. I mean, think yeah. about some of the plays you saw today. The Bucks were running the plays for them. So, yeah. So yeah. those are just I, three I, things I don't disagree with anything you said. Okay. Okay. All right. Do you have any other points you want to get, get off your chest here? Well, I mean, uh, I know we we showed the uh, flag hitting the hand, but I think a uh, uh, a demonstrative victory in super forecasting for me and uh, the crystal ball eagle prediction hits. So a big night really all around. Seven. Unbelievable. Dennis, when you listen to this, I hope you can look at yourself in the mirror. All right. And uh, I don't know. What are we uh, do? Should we do an impromptu super casting on Marissa's bachelorette weekend? No, I don't think that's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want the commenters to jump in on. I think let's let's just let Marissa get the hell out of here as quickly as possible. I think would be a nice uh, gift enough uh, gift enough to her. 
So uh, basically, if if there's big Eagles news on like Saturday, oh, Ertz is at, definitely at, gonna at get traded Saturday night yeah, for yeah. sure. For sure, I'm gonna be at dinner and I'm gonna be like yeah. stressing out. Um, no, no one's contacting you. I'll do it. I'll do it. <laughs> well, no, I wanted to be no, like yeah. like like minuscule news, and Bo is like, you know, we should really pot about this, and yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah not like the monumental thing, but like something. Coyote like, Awashika. Exactly. Again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're looking for more content, of course, ZB and the Wolf uh, this week. We haven't gotten to plug that yet. That's on the Athletics YouTube page. Cover uh, a lot of the big events that happened around the uh, the NFL uh, this week. So go ahead and uh, check that out. Click it. Give it a thumbs up. Give I feel it a like we got to add like a new a new little wrinkle to uh, ZB and the Wolf next week. Yeah, I don't know what that is. Well, listen, if not enough of our listeners go to the Athletics YouTube page and watch it, we might just bag it all together, you know? So uh, no, right. numbers got to be good. I'm not afraid to quit stuff. I love quitting. <laughs> Big quitter. Okay. Fantastic. This all is right. the lot. Yeah, you got you, Okay. All right. I don't know. I, I'm trying to figure out I'm trying to figure out what to write about. I have no idea what I'm going to write about. So that's, All right. Uh, well, so okay, you want me to uh, All right, let's go through that. That'll be a good way to end it. Zach, do you know what you're writing about? I do, and I will say it because uh, I, I think our competition's already like finishing their articles. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm I'm writing about this offense, and I'm picturing Dave uh, Zangaro somewhere going. Ha, he didn't think yeah. I was gonna. So some of the stuff we discussed, but 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 mainly this is on the play caller and the and the, and the, and the quarterback. They need to fix it here. Um, because what they're doing is not working and it can't be the type of thing where they uh, they fool themselves into thinking that like it's working and it's just a, a thing here a thing that no they 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 need to take an honest assessment of what the issue is here and they can't look at the Chiefs game or the Falcons game because overall through six weeks and in particular these past two games I love the stat shield had, up there about how like the Eagles and the Jets are the only teams that have had that have been that ineffective in the first half of games. And I thought Bo put it well last week when like their best drive was the drive that wasn't um, like scripted or that, you know, when, when they're just in hurry up, Uh, they look better always like that. Yeah. So, so they need to take a step back here. They have a few days and figure out what is wrong with this offense because the offense is the problem. No doubt about it. Bo, why don't you do okay? I, I like that. I mean, I think that's you know, that all three of us have said that's sort of the biggest takeaway from this. Bo, I think you can go to a few different directions. So they've played okay. they've played six games, uh, and we have this weird and I guess it's a 17 game thing. All right. I mean, you could do sort of like a a taking stock. You know, I, I don't know that there's gonna right. be a, a, a you know an enormous amount of interest in how this game played out. Like I think you can weave I that agree. stuff in there. Um, so maybe there's some way to say, all right, they kind of have this mini buy now. They've played six games. We didn't know any much about this team coming in. Uh, you know, there are different formats for that. Things we've learned. Um, you know, you, you could do a uh, here are you know the the six different ways the next, I don't know, whatever you think the next stretch of games is. Here are the different ways this could go and what it would mean for whatever. I think the I think something forward, either forward looking like that or uh, looking at, you know, the six games as a whole. I mean, from the actual game, I don't even know what like the big. No, there's nothing. Yeah, interesting there's about nothing the there. 
Yeah. So. Yeah. One minute. No, I think that's. Opinion. I think that's right. Okay. Or the taunting thing. I don't know if I want to turn that around. Yeah. Just well, I thought we were. You know, I was wondering if when Miles Sanders got that penalty in the first quarter, if you were like punching a hole through the uh, press box window or something, going full ZB on Derek Barnett. Yeah. What was that about? They didn't didn't show show the replay. replay. I didn't see it. No one knows. (laughs) Nobody knows. No one will never know. There were some listeners who did notice the Troy Aikman giggles, so that was good. Okay, but he didn't. He didn't uh, end up mentioning his time in Philly. So he he did mention something in the beginning, but he didn't mention playing. And it was like right off the bat, he was like the booing. First play. Yeah, I was like, that definitely counts. That definitely counts. No, 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 no. We we give him points for much less. Doesn't count. No, no, we (laughs) we actually talked about this. We said booing, like that a booing reference doesn't count. He has to be referring to something he specifically went through. Yeah, so I I agree with that because we what we said, but I did read it out loud to Michael, and he would have given Zach the point. So. But it did say Marissa's call, and I said, uh, "Well, let's we, make it Michael's call." We yeah. really discussed playing, so I don't think he. He said know. they'll boo anybody. That Zach was Zach is all about traditional gender roles. He, was, he <laughs> says the man, the man's voice. I am. Not- that is not true whatsoever. <laughs> All right, let's call it. I see the okay. I see the anxiety on Zach's face that he need, he's got to write this bad boy, and it's one twenty in the morning. No, right now I'm thinking about no, two people. Should. I'm thinking I'm, I'm thinking about my editor number one, okay. and I'm thinking about the uh, there's a security guard here who like closes up and he can't leave until we leave. And in the mm-hmm. past, when Bo and I have have done this podcast, he has like he's he's like wrap it up, you know. <laughs> he, he, he gets he gets so. I'm thinking about oh. that guy too. When we used to leave Bo, there'd be nobody there. No, no, they didn't care about. Oh, he just <laughs> no one cared about my security. Okay. Yeah. All right, wrap us up. All right, uh, that'll do it for this episode of Birds with Friends Post Game Pod. Thanks everybody for listening. We will be back, I guess, on Tuesday night. Uh, thanks for listening. Follow Zach. Wish Marissa a happy Bachelorette weekend. Follow Sheila on Instagram, uh, and we'll talk to you on Tuesday. As always. We love you. Hey, football fans, this is Diana Rossini from The Athletic. Get the top stories in pro football snapped directly to your inbox with our latest NFL newsletter, Scoop City. Jacob Robinson and I will bring you the daily scoop of top NFL articles, posts, and podcasts every Monday to Friday. Sign up for free now at theathletic.com backslash scoop.